Welcome to the Performance Health Podcast. My name is Tim Karen. Today we're going to be talking about Strength Coach Chronicles Redeemable Value. Are you bringing valuable that actually has dividends? And this is something I think about from not only the benefactor of the school or the university or the organization, but yourself. Because at the end of whatever that experience is, whether it's an internship, 10-month position, an assistant strength coach, all these positions that you're vying and fighting for more, you have to ask yourself, if you were going to leave, could they replace you? And if they can't, you are indispensable and you bring redeemable value. If you, if they can, you are replaceable and your value is eh. So as we start to look through this concept of redeemable value, do yourself an inventory, go through this blog post, go through this podcast and ask yourself, what really is the value that I'm bringing and can that be replaced quickly? And if they can't, you're in a good spot. We also have our book, Strength Deficit. This is Leveraging Eccentric Versus Concentric Ratios. It's a great book on how to really organize your training from a peaking strategy standpoint towards some sort of positional or maybe even sport demands like eccentric versus concentric. We now have our practical guide to strength deficit. So we have the technical guide with the book and now how to practically apply it. This is 21 lectures broken up over six sections. This is all of the things that I learned implementing strength deficits. So this is not something I just made up and talking hypotheticals. This is something that I created and then now applied at a high level and had great success, but also had a lot of failure, which I'm gonna go through a lot of that in the course. So get both incredible, valuable resources for you, the coach. You have not only a great system, but you have a way to implement that system. Finally, the PH curriculum. This is your this is your overall companion guide to becoming a great coach. It's an advanced strength conditioning curriculum broken up into four courses, coaching, nutrition, movement and training each one of these courses breaks up into modules we have 50 and growing and each one of those modules are broken up into five sections principles practical case study and then we have an interview with a strength coach and then what we have is a journal area where you can record your notes and where you felt and what you are at that period of time in your career the ph curriculum is a must-have resource for any strength conditioning coach that's looking to have a really really good ever-growing, evolving curriculum that can support them wherever they're at in their career. All right. Lastly, we have Realize.me. This is your command center for all health and and wellness performance. This is your dashboard to create experiments, sequester labs. Really Really do a good job of evaluating your interventions. This is an amazing resource. They have it in beta version. Highly recommend you going over to the platform. I have several blog posts on there, which I'll put uh, a link on our website here. These are gonna be something that you can use as a coach wherever you're at with your clients, with yourself, and you can test what you're doing as really effective. And this is an important next step for any great coach to really look at what they're doing as something as, again, redeemable and valuable for that person. All right, guys, let's get into the Strength Coach Chronicles, redeemable value. See you guys on the other side. A common thread I get is, man, how do you get a job in strength conditioning? And I struggle with this question and I struggle with it quite a bit because for me, it was never really something I ever had to ask. And I don't want to sound conceited, but I got an opportunity in every single internship I ever worked at 
and it's not because I have this like incredible charisma or I'm like this big huge gargantuan person I think it just came down to do I bring redeemable value am I indispensable am I a person regardless of my role is better to have than to not have and that's the bottom bottom line question right you me anybody are you indispensable do you bring redeemable value do they not know that you bring redeemable value? This is such a hard question to answer. Because a lot of times, employers make this mistake all the time. They let someone walk or they, they don't really promote someone or advance someone off the pretenses. They don't really know what they're doing. Like they don't know the value that person or that employee is bringing. And then when that coach leaves, and there's this big void of all this work that needs to be done because of the standard that person set, or at least the way it used to be done. And I'll have this realization of that. But that comes down again to the employee as much as the employer to demonstrate value. Not brag and not go out of your way and talk about all the stuff that you're doing. But there's a very clear understanding about the work that you're doing and the work that's perceived that you're doing is being done so a couple of a couple of I guess really important points in my career my first college internship at a velocity sports performance I mean shoot I can even go further back my first high school strength conditioning job got asked to take on a paid position and I just wasn't wanting to be locked down like that I didn't want to commit to that but I thought that was incredibly an incredible honor considering that all right, this was going to come at the expense of potentially someone else's position or hey, they thought I was valuable enough that I could, they didn't want me to leave, which I thought was fantastic. Now, going on the other end, I wanted to be a college strength coach, so I got into the, the realm of that. And you don't know much to otherwise, and you're doing just all these jobs and you're getting tested every single day. But over time with the volume of athletes that came through with Harvard and the amount of strength coaches they had, it's very easy to become indispensable. As long as you're good and you're competent and you're reliable, they will lean in on you. They will absolutely, absolutely try to get your, solicit you to help bring help. And that's, that was my plan. That was my mission. That's what I wanted to do. So over the course of the semester, I got asked to stay on as a paid paid coach for the summer probably wasn't going to be much and maybe I wouldn't even got paid but the reality is is that was a that was an offer in some capacity and I thought that was an incredible honor but I wanted to keep pushing and I wanted to keep learning so I took a job at Georgia Tech as an intern again start from the bottom now we're here kind of thing I was very very low on the total pole there was a lot of coaches there was a lot of volunteers a lot of them have been there for a period of time longer than I was. And they have like a rack system. And they had, I believe it was 14 racks. Racks one and two was the top assistant. All the way down to racks 13 and 14 with me. That's where I stood. I was literally seventh on the, pole, on the totem pole. And when you look at it from the context of, okay, all I can do right now is get these guys at my rack doing a good job. And when the strength, head strength coach comes over and he's saying, 
hey, you know, I'm a specialist, you get racks, like, you know, this is a big opportunity. And he's not joking. He's not trying to, like, blow smoke. He's not trying to lighten the mood. He's not trying to make this something that it's not. It's, you're a volunteer. These are Division One athletes, regardless if they're not strong or they're not getting playing time. Take it seriously. And I did. I had really good results on my racks meaning that my guys were executing, that my guys were getting all their sets and reps, that my guys were doing a really good job. And I had a great connection with them. And then every couple of weeks or so, something would happen. An intern would show up late, or a coach had another thing he had to do. And I move up two racks, I move up two racks, I move two racks. And I remember it. I remember as clear as day. I remember when I got these, the opposite end, I made it to the other end of the table. I got racks five and six. And I was like, oh, man, I feel like I'm arriving right now. End of that experience, said, hey, thank you guys, but I really want you to intern with a good friend of mine, Double A, at, at Old Miss. And I was like, yeah, I'm not dumb. I know what's going to happen here. Like, hopefully that this is going to manifest into a job one day and I want to be within this network. So I took it and I went with it. And it was a great experience. And that was another really cool opportunity because I got immediate responsibility. And I think I was being tested, to be honest. But I had injured workouts. I mean, legit injured workouts in SEC school as an intern. I had a lot of other things that I was doing, but I didn't get too big for the small things. And I'll tell you what a really interesting note was for me. And I, I, this really resonated me with when I got to the I got to the role that I'm at now as a business owner. When I read Sam Walton's Made in America, it's a fantastic book. He's an incredible character, to be honest. But the thing that he would do is he would go into the break room. So he has a private jet. He has a jet that he can fly. And he would fly to his locations, park really early, check the books. And then he would sit in the break room as the employees would start coming in and getting their day started, having a coffee before the shift or getting the drivers in the early morning, just have, hearing them talk and just, you know, just sitting in and just having a, just a good talk. And he would hear all the bitching. And you hear all the complaining and you hear all the things that they disliked about Walmart. And he would just listen in and then he would discuss it with them. He's like, well, how can we improve it? And they would give them their two cents and they would tell them, oh man, we could do this better. We could do that better. And then he would go to the manager and he said, are you aware that we are doing doing this this way? And if they weren't, he probably would find another manager. And if they were, and they're like, we're trying to find a really good solution, we're open to feedback, he would give that manager the opportunity to take that feedback and improve that. I think that's an amazing note. As a business owner, as a head strength coach, how good are you are listening to the people doing the job on a daily basis? It's a hard thing. But on the other note is how comfortable is that employee or intern to talk about things that they dislike? Now, I just told you about my internship experience and I told you about the output. Let's talk about how what the input was and things that I'm looking at as an intern of what I didn't like and what I could have done, what I wish I could have done better. You know, the thing at, at Harvard, which was really, really hard 
was regardless of a minimal amount of coaches, I still really was kind of working within the, the perimeter of the football program, uh, the perimeter of the basketball program, the perimeter of maybe a lacrosse program or the hockey program. You're, you're kind of doing the grunt role things. And I get it, pay your dues. And at that point, I was so green and so young. But the thing that really dawned on me was I'm not going to get my, I'm not going to get in edgewise here. I'm just not, I'm not going to be able to make that like insert myself moment and get a rack or get a station or something. But man, when you have a strength coach who has two, three sports in at the same time and he has to make a decision of where he's going to be between all three, you can kind of say, Hey man, if you need me to be over here for the entire session, I can be here. And you kind of oversee me and maybe he takes it. Maybe he says, yeah, you know what? I trust you. I think you do a good job on that. And I need to be kind of everywhere at once. So yeah, you take the whole team and you, you run them start to finish and we'll go from there. So breaking down the lift, you're organizing them by racks. You're getting them going through the workout and you're being compared to the rest of the room, which is great. Can you organize your room? So from that point, having some sort of indicator of saying I can do that and I don't need to do that with football or basketball or hockey or lacrosse I can do that with field hockey I can do that with women's lacrosse I can do that with with cross country skiing or or downhill skiing at like 7 on a Thursday I can do it with any of these sports just give me the opportunity and it goes into this like next level of did you see that opportunity or not so imagine that at that end of the semester, they're trying to evaluate whether I'd be a good fit for them or not. They have a great, great indicator there. They have a great, they have a great picture of what I would be as a strength coach if they were to hire me, right? They know what I can do. I'm not saying everyone has the opportunity to do that. And not saying that this is something I just kind of just blew, pull out of my hat day one. Like I had to eat, lean in on this and being there for weeks and months on end for being on time maybe even egregiously early and staying late coming out on the weekends to gain that trust, to be that person. Shoot, every single time one of the coaches was like, hey, anyone want to go to the hockey game or the basketball game? I'm like, I'll go. Not saying that it was always the best thing. Quite frankly, I'm not the biggest sports fan now on this day. Like, I don't, I'm burnt out. I don't like to go to games. But at the time... I really did, and I really was all in. And I thought that part of my career was really important that I established I want to be a part of all things in this because I really care about this. And at Georgia Tech, there was other things. There was a lot of things. You know, I was I was a benefactor of getting a ride by the head strength coach for circumstances like living in a very, very uh, bad area. And my boss felt really bad about it, and I was going to walk to work every day. But he was, a, he was an early riser, and we would get to work at four most days. And uh, you, what do you do for the next hour and a half before the rest of the strength staff show up? And you set up. So it set up everything. Set up the warm-up, set up the racks. And I remember our like, little deal. He would get in there. He would check his emails. He would organize the racks. I would grab the racks. I would put them out there at their stations. I would look at the first set of every single person, and I would start to set up their first set of their first exercise amongst all the other exercises, right? So let's say that our program every single Monday was hang power snatch, back squat, front squat, some sort of vertical pull, and a knee dominant posterior chain like a glute hand. Okay, I'm gonna get all the first weights on the bar for 
hang power snatch, which for most people is going to be 40 kilos, but either way. Set all up, set up all the movement prep, and then you go over to the, the post-workout fridge, and we had this set up where we had this, this shows my age, metrics fridge, and a, and a closet right next to it where we stored all the metrics. Two things. One, the fridge was unplugged for the first couple weeks I was there, and then two, we kept the metrics in the fr- in the closet right next to the fridge. So with a lot of downtime and not wanting to sit and look lazy, I went to my boss and said, hey, do you mind if I plug in that fridge and put the, the metrics shakes in the fridge? He's like, be my guest. So I did. And I, knew, I remember the acclaim. It was like this like midsummer treat that the, the fellas got at the end of the workout that they get their metric shakes that was cooled. You you thought that whoever decided to do that was the nicest human being in the world. It was just this seemingly un small thing, but I'll be damned, man. At the end of that summer, I remember my boss and several other people like, "Hey, good for you on that, man!" Like we weren't even thinking about that. Warm up, they expected. You know, it was my job. That was my responsibility. Not necessarily coaching. It was like, all right, let's. Are you willing to do the, the things that need to be done? And then when you get to the the metric shake part, that was something extra. That was something that like they didn't really anticipate. And I'll be damned, when I got the job at Georgia Tech, I, I'm going to go ahead and say that's the reason why I was responsible for nutrition with the football program. I'm just saying it. It was because of that. Maybe because he knew I was, the, the director knew I was a little bit more into nutrition, but I think really at the heart of it, it was that. And then at Ole Miss, and we, we did team lifts, not because we wanted to, because we had to, because a lot of these guys had had summer jobs, and they also had a full plate load of classes during the summer. Like the athletic director was really adamant on if they're going to be there in the summer, they really wanted them to get ahead on their academics. So for that, it really made a very difficult situation off of we had to get a full team lift with an SEC football team before 8 a.m. It's a lot of moving parts. There's 110, 105 guys that are coming through at any given moment, and they're going to go through a full 60 to 90-minute lift, and we're going to have to try to get everything in. And then when you look at things like team runs or you look at things like, you know, team movement preps, like it's a lot of hurdles. It's a lot of bags. It's a lot of everything. And we really had this great setup there where the indoor practice facility was adjacent to the weight room and then not too far of a walk from the indoor practice field team locker room was the actual stadium. And it wasn't a far walk per se normally for most college campuses. It's a far walk when you got to carry 50 hurdles. It's a far walk when you got to carry 50 bags. It's a far walk when you don't have a gator because you're there before everyone else and the athlete, and the equipment manager doesn't know you or nor trust you, and why should they? But it doesn't change the fact that you got to set everything up. So that was the game. It was trying to get everything set up. And then not only that, setting up everything for nutrition as well. And and I remember this moment because I was getting a lot of responsibility. I mean, a lot. 
like I was doing all the injured workouts. I had my racks. I was, I mean, I was right up there. I was like, I felt like a full-time strength coach just out the money. But I remember this moment and it was about midway through the summer. And this is after I set up all of the agility stations out on the game field. So getting all the hurdles from the indoor practice field, like carrying them. And I remember I had a great system putting them on my neck and just toppling them all the way up five at a time. And I could get them there and then I'd get the bags there and I would have this like little roller cart that hopefully didn't scuff up the ground. I wouldn't get in trouble that would roll all the way up. And and I'd get everything set up from the cone standpoint and I would double check with my boss the night before about where he wants everything. So when they walk in, it's just there, it's ready. He can go over the workout and boom, we're ready. And then I would do all the nutrition and I would get all this these pre-made shakes done. I would do all this stuff. Like I would get there probably at 3.30. Most people really had no idea how early I was getting there. And I would set everything up by 5.30. A lot of the stuff I would try to do the night before as well. So the stuff that wouldn't go bad or the stuff I can kind of you know, shorten up so I'd get all the hurdles to the corner of the indoor because I wasn't allowed to leave the indoor with it because it might get stolen. Um, the bags to the corner of the indoor and all these things. So all I'd do is just make a quick walk over. But it would be all set up. Everything would be good. They would walk in. The coaches would walk in like, all right, what do we got? And then the head coach would be like, all right, here's who, where such such going to be, such such going to be. And then at the end of the workout, you know, end of the workout, all this stuff is ready to post. And I heard my boss saying, hey, I really want you to stretch these guys out at the end of the workout. Great. And I remember one of the assistant strength coaches like, what's the point of having an intern if he's not here to do his job? And I, I, I thought that was a very interesting question. It was in relation to not handing out my, uh, shakes post-workout. And I was like, okay, well, this feels unfair. Um, but it dawned on me, potentially I was getting a lot of responsibility. Some people may be jealous of that. And if that's not an indicator you're going to get a job, I don't know what is. If you don't feel like you're going to get a job in that moment, regardless of how much it does feel like crap, not, them not appreciating the amount of work that went in before that and the amount of effort you're putting in, what they don't see, but they think that you're just kind of like just doing all these things that are not related to your job. I think that's kind of a, I think that's kind of a really big value indicator and I think when you're looking at it if you were to leave today and all these things still needed to be done and no one's sitting there going hey I don't I don't want I don't know I don't know how much he was doing let alone the value he's bringing okay from that point forward I need to demonstrate in front of the group how well I can do my job so they know that I'm indispensable and they know that the redeemable value that I'm having is infinite so we get to the end of the summer and we have this thing called mat drills where we do a you know choreographed conditioning circuit. Regardless of whether anyone out there agrees with it or not, when it's executed right, it is a pretty spectacular thing to watch and be a part of. It's a hard thing to do though, because you're essentially commanding and giving cadence to 105 guys and seeing what happened. Now, it's kind of a loaded deck, but at that point, I've done three and in, four internships, five internships, if you count my high school strength conditioning experience. So essentially a full-time strength coach at Springfield College as a GA in charge of football at the time. I wasn't just this green intern that comes out of nowhere and gets a job. 
at that point, though, also all the other, most of the staff really struggled with being able to do team naturals. It's hard, you know, you got a cadence, like down, ready, set, go. And then like you have a bunch of different things to say and like a command and you got a bunch of people like organized rhythm. But I, I nailed it. I nailed what I had the opportunity to do that. And I think there was a lot of things that went into that. I remember every single time someone screwed up, I wrote it down. Not to like, it was for me. So when if I ever got that opportunity, I wouldn't make that same mistake again. And I remember doing my walk home, hearing them, where did they screw up? And I remember saying, can I say that? I didn't know I was going to get that opportunity to get out in front of them. But I remember thinking in my head, rebel ready, down, ready, sit, go. Rebel ready, down, ready, sit, go. And getting the rhythm, getting the timing, getting the cadence. And I remember right before I went out there in front of 105 guys, a couple of the other full-time strength coaches were like, don't screw this up. Don't fuck up. Don't fuck up. And not saying, I think it was just a matter of like, maybe I was a little cocky. Maybe I was a little arrogant. Maybe I was, I need to get knocked out a peg or two. Or maybe they just like, hey, look, this is your shot. And this is our way of telling you, you really want this. This is where you have to prove it. I was hoping for the latter, but when I got out there, I did really well. And at the end, I think I got the approval of everybody. And I was just fortunate enough to get a job opportunity from that, not directly at Old Miss, but down the road at USC. And as I look back over my career and finding these areas that I can that I could have improved at the places I'm at, because when I left, no one was stocking the fridge. When I left, nobody was setting setting up the field. When I left, nobody at Harvard was doing what I was doing, covering teams. You create a, a, a gap. You have redeemable value. They can see it. That's And they know it. They can feel it. They can feel it towards the tail end of like, oh man, who's going to set up the field the way Tim did? Or who's going to do all the nutrition the way Tim did? Or who's going to coach those teams like the way Tim did? I've created myself as an indispensable asset. I have redeemable value. That my my presence there is more valuable than not being there. That if I'm going to go back and now look at it from the other end of I fixed things that were problems. I made things better. Now the next question would be is as a director, I have this person that's bringing indispensable value. If they want to move on to somewhere else, how do I replicate that with my current staff or future staff? Or I have to now make a decision. I have to hire that person. And the hope is that I hire everybody that volunteers because that's should be everyone's goal. Barring you're good and you're reliable and you care. But if you bring value, if you're connecting to the athletes and the clients, if you do things that people seemingly don't see, and over course of period of time, that that becomes really invaluable, that people really appreciate, that people now come to expect is that's now the standard. That's when you start to look at this, you are valuable. It's always this thing about like, you know, early on with an internship, like never be too big to do the little things or, you know, see around the corners or as Herm Edwards would say in his great article, sweep the corners. Or if you look at it from like All Black's legacy, sweep the sheds. Or if you look at it from the other context of 
it's the job that everyone doesn't want to do is the one you should want to do. And yeah, I think there's a certain sense of like, you know, pay your dues, earn the right to be here, show some humility, be willing to be willing to demonstrate that you want to be here by doing, you know, very, very simple remedial work. However, there's another angle there. There's an opportunity there that you won't see right away. And if you absolutely hate it, if you're bitching about it constantly, you have to look at this as if all you do is bitch, what's that going to be like when I hire you? How are you going to handle the just the, the rigors of working with coaches and athletes? How are you going to handle that? What's your temperament? If you're just constantly down, if you're always late or if you're always missing, you're basically leaving this permanent, permanent impression off the people around you. What kind of person you're going to be like when they actually start to pay you? Because I'll be honest, you add money to the equation and there's no incentive after that, relatively speaking, to getting that job in the first place. You have to imagine your future employer is it's only going to go down. That your value is peaked as soon as you start to bitch or become unreliable. If you have a generally negative temperament and they can't trust that you're going to do what you need to do when you need to do it, then you're not going to be able to get that job because once you do, they think that you're only going to regress. At least I would. So you're giving the potential by being extremely reliable, extremely punctual, extremely consistent, extremely positive, but you're being smart. You're thinking about ways to improve the underlying systems that are really inefficient. You're thinking there's a better way to do something. You know, as Mac Brown eloquently said, don't bitch, quit. Take it another level. Don't bitch, fix it. You know, don't give me problems, give me solutions. Great, that sucks. What do we do? Like, that's that's how we answer that. Awesome. Thank you for bringing that my attention. What do you suggest we do? Oh, you don't have something? You're just pitching? Then I want to hear it. Because if you don't have a good solution, you're not thinking. You're not taking the opportunity in front of you. You're not looking at this from the lens of, I need to be better. You know, there's an element of if we don't start to evaluate these scenarios that are in front of us, then we're never really going to get to the point we really want to be in our careers. It's something as seemingly as small as wiping a bench and being generally positive about it. And I think I've kept this. I still do this. Anyone who's ever worked with me at night shift at my current gym. If I have to clean benches and I know I get to go home a little bit earlier if I do it a little bit quicker and I say to my fellow intern, you spray, I wipe and then, or vice versa, and then if I'm spraying or if I'm front and I'm literally sprinting through the weight room and they're trying to keep up and my boss or supervisor sees that I'm seemingly enjoying cleaning benches 
and playing around and trying to tell that person behind me, like, man, I move. You got to keep up, man. I've got to go. This is clean benching time. What are they thinking? What are they thinking in the back of their mind? Here's someone who's taking a job that everyone hates doing and enjoying it. What's going to happen when they delegate something like nutrition to me? What's going to happen when they delegate something like shoulder prehab to me? What's going to happen when they delegate injury workouts to me? What's going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to do a great job and I'm going to be really consistent and I'm going to have fun doing it. Those are the things that I think when we start to look at your redeemable value is, and I'm not saying be fake and I'm not saying be something you're not. I hope you guys are reading through this and saying every single job is an example of future jobs that you may do. And that is either indispensable or dispensable. Your redeemable value is contingent upon your ability to do the job and how you do the job. And I think people often forget strength conditioning departments. It's 365 days a year. 5 a.m. to 8 p.m., five to six days. Tell me, other than a seven-figure job, anyone spending that much time together? And I think about this a lot when people call me for, hey, do you got a person I could plug in for this role? And I'm thinking about their personality type, and I don't want to overly think it, but I'm thinking, Man, I don't know if they would get along if they were sitting in an office together for six hours straight or if they were on a plane ride together, if they were basically together for 365 days a year. Like, I, I think you should just talk to him and see if you like him first because he's a great strength coach. I just don't know if you guys will really like each other because it's a matter of your temperament. If you're a generally optimistic person, when every time someone goes up to you and you say, how you doing? Uh, I'm okay. Or, man, I'm great could be a fake answer but it's I'm, I'm pushing it I'm actually I'm visualizing until I actualize that, that has a that has a residual impact and I think that redeemable value is tied into those things being an eternal optimist being someone with mitigate unmitigated optimism you know this these are redeemable redeemable things in any setting but I think it's even more so in any place that you're working for extremely long hours, maybe low compensation for multiple days on end or a large part of the year. So let's recap this because I think this is an important one. And I think this is one that you can take a bunch of different ways. If you're in that like on the verge of wanting to do an internship, if you're on the, the back end of doing an internship, if you have no horizons of a job, I think we have to start to look inward before we start to look outward and start blaming the system and becoming disenfranchised. I'll be honest. I don't think interviewing is all that important. I really don't. I think you just need to prove value when you're at these situations. And I'm not saying, saying that like we need to create this permanent structure of volunteering an intern. But I would say this. If you have no background in strength conditioning, chances of you getting a job in strength conditioning is small. It's none. It should be. I know nothing about cobbling shoes, but if I wanted to be a shoe cobbler, I'd probably have to volunteer. You know, they say it takes nine years to be a plumber. You know, these things are like, you know, like I, I just feel like there's 
second nature. So we're arguing the whole like volunteering. But the truth is, is a vol- volunteering experience is a long-term in- interview. It really is. It's all it is. It's all it should be. At least that should be in your mind when you're going into this. So what's my return on this? What's my what's my best case scenario off of this? And they should be thinking that as an employer too. If they don't, you shouldn't be going there. If you have zero prospects of getting any kind of job, I don't know if it's in your best interest. And you should at least have that. You should at least have that conversation. What's my chance of getting a job? For good, high. For bad, low. I think that should be good. Then you should have objective criteria for why you get a job or you don't. Right? For me, it's pretty simple. Are you showing up late? Okay, that's pretty easy. Are you are you able to execute these baseline tasks we need our ba- our need all of our coaches to do? Yes, great. On the other end, is do we see any kind of larger value from you in the future? And at that point, we should know. We really should. And if you can't, okay, maybe you're just a great foot soldier coming in. But you better be willing to do these small, seemingly, seemingly simple things consistently. And you better be able to do it with a really good attitude. And I see that. We always see the summer intern program at any school I've ever worked at dip in July. You know, that peak is June and then get July 4th break, maybe go home or maybe you get a, a taste of the other side and you start to trail off and start to lax on your responsibilities. Again, you know, your impression is dwindling and now you're leaving an impression of all of that first month was a show or a facade. I can't, I can't hire them off the fact that they have very little stamina. They have very little, they're very little conditioning to handle what really strength conditioning is. It's being that positive, enthusiastic person because that's when coaches start trickling in. Players need that extra quote-unquote pizzazz to get you through that dog days of summer. That's part of our job. So when we start to look at what you're getting from these volunteer experiences versus what you what you think you should be getting. Well, you think you should be getting a job, first off, but what you actually get is predicated off of what you're capable of doing and what you're willing to do and how well you're willing to do it for. And as you start to break down the next steps and redeemable value, ask yourself, if I were to leave tomorrow, would the things that I'm doing be easily replaced? I think a lot of people don't understand that. When people tell me they're quitting and I say, hey man, great, good luck. I don't have to replace anything or anything of value. I, I think that's something that should hopefully resonate. Like, you know, people always talk about like, oh man, we should, you know, is it, should we give, have to give two weeks? You know, and I get it, like both ends, right? Like the employer, man, you're really screwing me here. Yeah. On the other end though, is if you're bad and you're unreliable and I already have a bunch of people covering your shifts or doing a job better than you, you just did me a favor. Yeah, don't worry about it. We got it. <laughs> don't. Two weeks is good. You know, so it's like, Careful what you wish for, because if you do get that, oh man, I'm going to show them, I'm going to quit, or I'm going to get something, I'm going to do something else entirely, and then your supervisor is like, oh man, have good luck, and uh, I can tell you, uh, 
couple stories about like you know other strength coaches thinking that they got this ace in the hole taking another job and then their direct supervisor pulling out a metaphorical stack of paper and saying this is what the resumes look like for your job right now it's fine i'm gonna be fine probably got a, a candidate in here that could do what you're doing right now you know that's that's a hard pill to swallow but it is the, is the world we live in. Well, I hope this one helps. I hope this, I hope all of these help, to be honest. And I just want you guys to know that whatever you're going through, we've been through, I've been through, gonna happen again. So, you know, you know that there's an element of your, your problems aren't uncommon, they're just uncommon to you. And if you can go through these, if you can read these blogs, go through the curriculum, I think you've got an asset and something you can lean in on to help you understand and triangulate just how to be a really good coach, but also too how to process what being a really good coach is. All right, guys. Well, I really appreciate you guys. Make sure you check in over to PH Curriculum because we have our whole coaching section on there. So if you're resonating with the Strength Coach Chronicles, I really think our coaching course and our curriculum is going to be really helpful as well as we have our forum, which is going to be able to ask questions and and hopefully get some things that you guys are thinking about at a high level answered. Appreciate you guys, and we'll see you next week.